The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Thanks for joining us. This is Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. better get healthy and help animals welcome to main street vegan with your host victoria moran there's a delightful old movie called enchanted april and that title jumped into my head as i was thinking if we ever needed an enchanted april we need it in 2020 To do my part to bring that about, I have inaugurated the Enchanted April project that I would love for you to be part of. And I'm going to give you all the details right after our mid-show break. Hi, everybody. I'm Victoria Moran, host of the Main Street Vegan Program, wishing you a happy April Wisdom Day. If you happen to be listening live, I much prefer that to April Fools, especially because two very wise women are my guests today. And if you do happen to be listening live on Unity Online Radio, you can call in with questions. That number uh, in the United States is 816-251-3555. That's 816-251-3555. After the break, vegan psychologist Dr. Angela Crawford will offer her insights for navigating difficult times. And in this segment, I'm so happy to be welcoming back Janie Goddard, joining us from the UK, where she is president of the Complementary Medical Association and author of number one bestsellers, including two books on surviving pandemic flu. All of Janie's recommendations are based on established scientific research. Welcome, Janie Goddard. Thank you so much for having me back again, Victoria. I'm really thrilled to be with you. Well, and and so am I, and I'm so thrilled to be giving your insights to our listeners. I know last time you were here, we were really talking about something fun. We were talking about your book, Turn Back Your Body Clock, and all these wonderful tips for feeling better and looking better as we go on through life. But right now, we're really, really in a serious situation, and um need some help for that. So I was surprised to hear that you had actually written books on swine flu and avian flu. Why are you so interested in these sorts of infectious situations? 
Well, uh, because I'm an immune system geek, um, I, I guess that's it, really. Uh, I think it stems from the fact that I've got a very wonky immune system myself. Uh, I have uh, huge challenges or, or have had huge challenges with uh, autoimmune conditions, including rheumatoid arthritis and Hashimoto's thyroiditis and so on. So I, it, throughout my life, I've had to find ways of uh, not just combating those, but actually overcoming uh, those, because, as you know, they can be incredibly debilitating. Um, and so because of my learnings um, about uh, all of this and because of my work in the field of complementary medicine and uh, well, in America, you'd call it uh, integrated medicine. Um, I have sort of become um, a bit of a, uh, yeah, as I say, a bit of an immune system geek. And of course, um, one of the most important things that we have to take into consideration when we're faced with something like a pandemic flu, whether it's uh, H1N1 swine flu or H5N1 bird flu or avian flu, as you so rightly put it, or of course now COVID-19, one of the most crucial elements is not the virulence of the virus, but actually, what are we like? What are we like as a host? Um, and there's an apocryphal tale. Nobody really knows whether it's actually true or not. But um, it, the idea is that when um, we think about being a host for any kind of virus, is it the virus that's virulent or is it the terrain? And the, as I say, the apocryphal tale is that uh, Pasteur on his deathbed said, no, 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 it is not to be amoeba or the, uh, the pestilence or what have you, whichever way he put it in his beautiful French. It's actually the terrain that is more important. So how are we situated as hosts to be able to be resilient or not to any pathogen that we're faced with? Wow, that gives me chills, you and Mr. Pasteur. So, so Janie, in, in the short time we have together, let's just jump in. Start with your very top tips. Here we are. Most of us listening probably are in some state of, of quarantine or, or sheltering in place. What can we be doing that maybe we haven't heard of? We're already staying in. We're already washing our hands a lot. What else can we do? Absolutely, Victoria. Of course, aside from all of the uh, very, very important directives that all of our governments have given us, very sensible stuff. Uh, what we need to be looking at, it really is everything from a nutritional perspective, a lifestyle, uh, a general lifestyle perspective. So the most important factor to think about as far as nutrition is concerned is what is going to shore up our immune system so, and prevent us from producing an excessive inflammatory response, because that's actually, after all, what causes people to go into the pneumonias and so on. So what we've got to do is to focus on a whole food plant-based diet with very little or no, ideally no, added refined salt, oil or sugar. That is incredibly important because all of those massively uh, render us more susceptible to producing the kinds of illnesses that we see with it's currently with, with COVID-19 or coronavirus. Um, we also need to make sure that we're getting adequate sleep. Uh, we've got to make sure that we're getting adequate exercise. I always think of exercise as being a three-legged stool, Victoria. So we need um, low impact uh, walking, for example, 
in in the UK at the moment, we're allowed out for an hour a day to get exercise. So I would suggest people walk for an hour a day. We human animals are designed to walk. That's why we've got these great big muscles on the backs of our bodies, our gluteus maximus and, and our really lovely hamstrings to push us forward as we stride out across the prairie or the veld or wherever it was that we came from. And um, of course, also there is resistance training, which involves lifting weights. Obviously, you can't go to the gym at the moment, so you've got to think about body weight exercises that you can do. I did an interview with our mutual friend, uh, Jeff Palmer, just recently about uh, what we can actually do to improve our physiques uh, with, with just our own body weights or, or MacGyver um, weights, you know, that we can make out of uh, water bottles and so on, filled with water or sand and so on. And then, of course, thirdly, there are the mindful exercises. So the yoga, Tai Chi, Pilates, um, anything that really puts our minds into the exercise um, almost as a Zen type exercise that helps us to stay present and in the now. That's incredibly important for us. Um, and aside from that, obviously, stress resilience. Obviously, this COVID, I won't say crisis because I don't like to use alarmist language. So let's say the COVID challenge at the moment. Um, this is putting a lot of people outside their comfort zones, Victoria. So what I would suggest is building our psychological, mental and emotional resilience by practicing things like the uh, relaxation response, which was, of course, um, really created and, and uh, shaped by Dr. Herbert Benson, who works at the Benson Henry Institute at Harvard Medical School and, and under whom I had the privilege of training. So, um, yes, I mean, I would say those are the most important factors. Then, of course, obviously, socialization. Socialization, we know, can actually give us nine extra healthy years of, of our of lifespan. Um, so obviously we can't socialize directly with people. So it's crucial to harness the power of things like Skype, Zoom, Facebook, anywhere that we can stay in contact with our friends and loved ones. We must harness that. It's more important to us now than ever. Well, that is so beautifully put and so so succinct. I love it. I think if we did this now and certainly if we did this going forward, I mean, this is a podcast. Some people are going to be listening to this 10 years from now and thinking, well, we don't have a flu right this minute. Well, you know, whatever you've got, you people 10 years from now, <laughs> these are fabulous, fabulous instructions. So tell us your daily routine right now to stay healthy during all this. Of course, Victoria, yes. So what I'm doing, um, because technically speaking, uh, because I've got this wonky immune system, and I know that a lot of our listeners will be in very similar boats. Um, and we're all very, very concerned, aren't we, especially if we've got underlying health conditions. So I certainly do. And I know, as I say, a lot of our listeners will also be really worried about this. So what I've been doing is I've been getting up early, I've been going to bed early, so that I can in turn get up early. And so that I'm up and ready and at daybreak. So as soon as the sun is starting to come up, I'm outside, wrapped up nice and warm, because in England now, 
beautiful weather, not a lot of rain at all, uh, very, very clear blue skies, but of course that makes it very chilly. But so I wrap up nice and warm with layers and with gloves and I get out and I do my hour's walk. Now, what I've been doing is um, I'm fortunate in, in living in an area where there are quite a lot of hills. So I've actually been literally hill climbing uh, because I think it does us so much good because although we are not pushing things in that way from a uh, pavement pounding aerobic perspective which as we know pavement pounding is not the best thing we can do for our bodies um, but what it's doing is uh, exercising my heart and lungs and dramatically increasing my muscle mass in my quads and I can feel it in my butt as well which is actually really good because I think my butt has probably raised about an inch <laughs> which I'm very <laughs> pleased about because I was noticing as I'm getting I was thinking my goodness I'm getting to that certain age where I think my goodness um that isn't quite where it used to be surely it used to be a little higher than that but anyway so I'm glad to say it's getting back to where it should be um but you know hill walking up hills will do that for you um if you don't have access to hills uh then stepping um you know you can you can actually order uh, those uh, you know that those things that people use in aerobic class for step class yes well, I have cool. one yeah, there you go. You see, so you can use those. It works just as well. So, you know, we can always uh, we can always MacGyver things, can't we? We can always use our imaginations and create things. And uh, the important thing is to be safe about it. So I'll go out for my hour. I'll come back, um, obviously jump in the shower, jump out again. And I will then go into a dance class. Um, and so a lot of I love to dance and a lot of my teachers have generously shared classes online. If you haven't got dance teachers, the English National Ballet is doing the most fabulous online classes at every level. Um, but if you like ballet and you've always fancied dancing with professional ballerinas, now's your chance. They're doing everything from chair ballet right the way through to adult professional classes and everything in between. So I'll do an hour of ballet with the English National Ballet. Um, and it's all free. It's all on YouTube. Just, just go onto YouTube and find it. Um, I'll then obviously have the shower and I will then have a celery juice. Uh, I make my own celery juice and um, I find that that acts as a potent anti-inflammatory. Now, I have noticed that my joints, since I've been having my celery juice, have been amazingly good. Uh, I, I cannot sing the praises of celery juice high enough. And I know it comes from somebody that you're very, very keen on, uh, the medical medium. And uh, he's just fantastic and uh, getting some great information out there. And so that works really well. You then wait about half an hour before you have any food. So I'll then have a really tasty muesli with lots of lovely fresh fruit. And then on into the workday, um, stopping at lunchtime for a great big salad, very, very high raw content, perhaps with a steamed um, potato or a steamed sweet potato. And then for dinner, lots and lots of uh, steamed greens, uh, possibly another hour of dance and um, then early to bed. Very little TV watching, no Netflix binging. I think it's really important to steer clear of the news as much as we can. Just absorb the most important salient bits and pieces. Be aware that there are a lot of scare stories going around on social media. Um, be very selective about the type of information and fact check because there's an awful lot of alarmist information going on out there 
Uh, not all of it's true. So just be very, very careful about the information that you allow into your psyche. Well, I want to ask you about that information because I think so many people just immediately see something like complementary or alternative or natural, or you mentioned the medical medium. And I am a fan personally, but I never talk about that in my talks or in my books because I feel that I'm really supposed to keep everything on the level that has been scientifically validated, even though I would agree with Anthony William, the medical medium, that if yeah. you want relief right now, instead of 30 years from now, when science figures it out, <laughs> maybe you well, need to go ahead and do I'm, something on your own. Yes, that's where I'm coming from as well. Absolutely. Um, I was very skeptical, actually. And um, I have to say that I then looked at some protocols and thought, uh, you know, this stacks up. Um, I don't think I don't know, but I don't think he gives the evidence. So I can't speak to that. But what I do know, though, is having looked at the cascade of phytonutrients, for example, in celery juice, there is every reason why celery juice is a fantastic anti-inflammatory. But you see also, we can then flip that over to things like traditional Chinese medicine and look at the way that uh, celery is perceived in that tradition. Now, as you'll appreciate, of course, uh, things like Ayurveda and traditional Chinese medicine have many, many thousands of years of written uh, research and data. Now, of course, those don't come under the auspices of conventional medical research, although, of course, obviously, nutritionists have looked at things like celery. And of course, there is good data within the conventional side of things. But if you look at energetically what um, celery represents, it represents cooling. It represents a reduction of inflammation. And uh, so, you know, the, you, we can actually look at all of these different traditions and ultimately figure out and find out when we add it all together that actually the information we come out with at the end of the day it all stacks up and we find that, my goodness, you know, my little anecdote about finding celery juice to be incredibly helpful. Well, there's a reason for it. And the reason, particularly from a conventional perspective, is the fact that it's got these this vast cascade, as I say, of or concert constellation of amazing nutritional cofactors that all work together to produce an anti-inflammatory response in the body. Personally speaking, I find it's more effective than ibuprofen, of course, without the side effects. Well, that's amazing. I, yeah, I, I have been doing it too. I love the celery juice. It gets to be a little bit addictive. Now, yes. do you have do you have other recommendations for people who are in the very high risk groups? Uh, yes, obviously, um, making sure that you are shielding and you know, you're not being exposed. Over here in the UK, uh, the government has been quite draconian and rightfully so in order to, as they call it, flatten the curve so that fewer people are um, infected and affected uh, simultaneously. And so that way we reduce the pressure on our medical system, the NHS, as it is over here. Um, so that's all very sensible. So, of course, you know, as we were saying earlier, hand washing and uh, disinfecting and so on and so forth. So that's all that all makes a lot of sense. But as I say, um, quite honestly, I think there are a few things that people need to do. I think anxiety reduction is one of the most important things. If you're in a high risk group, 
you will have a great deal of anxiety, um, generally speaking. This is what I've noticed with my patients. Um, so what I've been getting them to do is to ensure that they're getting good sleep. So for that, I've created a Yoga Nidra uh, free download on my website, um, which is a Yoga Nidra recording. It's like a, it's a form of meditation that leads people into a very deep, restorative and restful sleep. And they do say that 20 minutes of yoga nidra is the equivalent to two hours of deep, restorative sleep. Now, if we can do that, that is going to go an awfully long way to restoring energy levels, well-being, um, immune status and uh, general uh, reduction in stress and stressors. Uh, the other thing, as I mentioned earlier, uh, is of course the relaxation response. What has been shown uh, by Benson and his colleagues at Harvard is that the relaxation response when practiced for 20 minutes twice a day goes a great way to restoring health and well-being on every level mentally, emotionally, physically, and of course, spiritually. So I've recorded a, an instructional uh, session for people, again, free on my website. Uh, and I would strongly suggest anybody who's in a high risk group gets practicing that twice a day for 20 minutes because it does pay dividends. And that is there's a huge amount of research supporting these claims. Um, and it's all available um, at the Benson Henry Institute online and also through Harvard as well. So if anybody's really geeky and wants to check that out, then they should go over there and, and do that. It's called the relaxation response. Um, and so if, every, if people are doing everything from the nutritional perspective, the exercise perspective and so on, um, then really, I would say that is the, the main factor if you're in a high risk group that you really should be looking at. Now, the other thing I would just want to touch on is that uh, Dr. Frank Sabatino and I did a discussion earlier about um, vitamin D and the amazing ramifications for us if we are low in D from an immunological perspective, but also from a, a viral resistance perspective. So you might want to check that out. I'm going to put that up tomorrow on my YouTube channel for everybody. Um, and Frank and I also did a really excellent interview just very recently, and that's up already, on um, staying safe during COVID. 19 as well so again of course as you know victoria and i'm sure your listeners know um frank everything frank says is also coming from a very strongly evidence-based perspective and uh, in fact actually today he sent me a load of references that we'll also put up for people um under the videos such that they know exactly where to go to find out further information about the studies that we're actually quoting wonderful so Janie's website is janiegoddard.org, J-A-Y-N-E-Y-G-O-D-D-A-R-D.org. And you can find that also on the show notes at MainStreetVegan.net. She has tons of free giveaways there. I mean, recipes, ebooks, meditations, all, all kinds of stuff at, at janiegoddard.org. Um, the YouTube link is really long. I'm not going to read it, but we will put that on the, the show notes at, at mainstreetvegan.net. And yes, a shout out to Dr. Frank Sabatino. He's 
He's just one of my go-tos. I, I know we don't really have speed dial anymore, but the uh, 2020 equivalent of speed dial, <laughs> Dr. Frank is on there. Dr. Milton Mills is on there. Um, Dr. Rob Osfeld is on there. I feel so fortunate to know these, uh, these amazing practitioners. So you wrote these two books on these other flus. Are they still relevant? Yes. Do we have anything to learn for this one? Um, actually, yes. Interestingly, interesting. You should say that, uh, Victoria. I would. Uh, what I've done is I have created. I've, I've turned the Survivor's Guide to Swine Flu, which is the more uh, recent of the two books and uh, somewhat more up to date. I've turned that into an ebook, um, and that's on Amazon. Now, I've reduced. I've I've uh, spoken with Amazon, and they've enabled me to reduce the price as low as they can possibly list it for i think it's something like four dollars the book is still very relevant because it talks about things like pandemic preparedness it talks about socialization it talks about hydration it talks about nutrition um it talks about uh, supplementation should we choose to use it now the uh, herbal medicines it talks about essential oils it talks about um oh gosh you name it um, the interesting thing was that the book was sent off to the World Health Organization, uh, to, to the, uh, the, the president of the World Health Organization at the time that I wrote it. Uh, and the book came out, when was it? I think it was 2009. Uh, I believe it's 2009, 2010. And uh, so it's about 10 years ago. Uh, but at the time, she came back and said, this is a very important book, particularly for those of us in developing nations who do have no access to conventional medicine. Now, that's important to think about for us in this day and age because there is no vaccine uh, against uh, COVID-19. There are no medicines that have been proven to work against COVID-19. So we are fishing around and floundering about in exactly the same situation as we were 10 years ago and exactly the same situation as we were when H1N1 swine flu hit back in 1918, which was the Spanish flu pandemic, which was the pandemic to all end all pandemics, we hope. So, yes, there is still a heck of a lot of really relevant information in that book. Although I will say, you know, the caveat is it was written about swine flu. But you know what? There's not much difference really between uh, the way that swine flu presents and the way that uh, COVID-19 ultimately presents as well. And both, I think, if we trace it back, come from uh, humans dealing with animals in ways we were never meant to deal with animals. Absolutely. So completely so. and utterly correct. Um, I do you know, I just hope that if, if something good can come out of this, I truly hope that people will realise that it is absolutely not acceptable under any circumstances to eat animals. These are our brothers and sisters. They are sentient beings. If this provokes a more compassionate outlook in life, and if we realize that, you know, we are all connected, we are all one, then my goodness, you know, wouldn't that be an amazing thing to happen? That would be an amazing thing. And you are an amazing being to have happened onto this planet. I'm so happy that we're alive at the same time. Janie Goddard, janiegoddard.org. Everybody look her up, get all of her wonderful free stuff. And um, God bless you. Thank you for all the great work you do. And you, Victoria, my love, thank you so, so much. I so appreciate you and everything you do. 
It's a mutual. Stay with us, everybody. We're going to take care of our mental health right after this. Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to Main Street Vegan with your host, Victoria Moran. Hey, everybody, and if you are listening live, you know you can call in 816-251-3555. So I promised to tell you about Enchanted April. It's a little thing, but I'm so excited. Enchanted April is a daily quotation from one of my inspirational books that will go up every day of this month, all the 30 days of April, on the homepage at MainStreetVegan.net, and also on all of my social media, including the Main Street Vegan podcast listeners group on Facebook, which you are cordially invited to join. Now, in addition, I'm going to be doing a Facebook Live every morning at 1130 a.m. U.S. Eastern Time. So it's 830 out there in California. Later, if you're across the ocean, you'll figure out the time zones, but 1130 Eastern. And in those Facebook Lives, I did the first one this morning. You can find it on on Facebook. I'm going to be riffing on the meaning beneath each quotation. So the quotation today, for example, says, in solitude, we tend to get our novel ideas and brilliant hunches and Oh my goodness, we do. And yet, there are some people now who are really by themselves and would like to not be in solitude. So in the um, the little Facebook Live, we talked about all that kind of thing. So hopefully you will want to be part of that and you'll want to share the quotations and let people know about the Facebook Live, which I will also put on the um, podcast listeners group after the fact. So hopefully we will be connecting all through this month. I really, really hope so. And if you want to be further connection, please visit MainStreetVegan.net. You can get a copy of my little immuno guide plus soul soothing tips. And you can also uh, become a Main Street Vegan. And that means that you'll get our, our blog and our little newsy letter every week. And uh, we'll stay more connected. Thanks so much. And thanks for being with us today. Now, my guest is Angela Crawford, PhD. She has 22 years of experience as a licensed psychologist providing holistic psychotherapy approaches to address stress, anxiety, adjustment issues, and trauma. And more recently, she attended Main Street Vegan Academy and has become a vegan lifestyle coach and educator. Dr. Crawford is passionate about empowering individuals to create healthy lives aligned with their authentic purpose, highest values, and deepest compassion. Welcome, Dr. Angela Crawford. 
Thank you. I'm really happy to be here, and it's good to talk to you again. Well, it's wonderful to have you here, and I am not ashamed to tell people that before I think I even invited you to be on the show, I contacted you and said, help me out here. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I was doing all the things that our first guest was saying, going to the park every day, and it really wasn't half bad in my little personal life. Obviously, I, I know it's a, a terrible situation for many, many people. But then as, as the information got more frightening, oh, now it can be um, transmitted through the air. So I didn't want to go out. And I just started to be afraid. And you had such wonderful advice for me that I wanted you to share the same with my listeners. But before we get into that, I know you have a really wonderful vegan journey. So tell us that and then heal our brains. Okay. Um I grew up in Iowa, and um, I really had no idea about factory farming or things like that. And so most of my life, I just ate the standard American diet, um, wasn't particularly healthy in what I ate. And then about 13 years ago, I saw something, um, a show about the conditions for workers in meat processing plants, and it just really opened my eyes to you know, the kind of conditions they were working in. And as I saw that, it really made me think more about how my food came to me. And I started to kind of question things more. And so I did a lot of reading. I got my first vegetarian cookbooks. And and so I became vegetarian within a few months of seeing that show after doing a lot of reading. And, and then over time, I really came to feel that I should consider going fully vegan as I understood more about, you know, dairy cows and, um, egg, you know, hens laying eggs and realizing the conditions that those animals were raised in was cruel and that they ended up in the same place where the meat animals do. So that last year was when I finally decided I, I needed to go fully vegan. And I had to overcome my social fears about that because um, I guess being a person who always liked harmony um, and sort of an introvert, it wasn't easy for me to speak up in social situations where I was eating something different or wasn't eating what everyone else was eating. But that was something I worked on just by, I guess, getting really connected with the why for going vegan, all the reasons, you know, that, you know, my desire to be compassionate for animals and the planet, um, that helped me have the courage to speak up and make the change. And so, I did that over a year ago, and I knew then that I wanted to incorporate it into my work in some way. So I'm still in discovery of how that is going to unfold, but going to the Main Street Vegan Academy was one step in that direction. Oh, thank you. It's so interesting, Angela, that a lot of us say, well, you know, I grew up in, in, in New York City. I grew up in San Francisco. I don't know about factory farming. You grew up in Iowa, and you didn't <laughs> know about factory farming. So they really do keep it hidden. Yes, they do. Wow. So now let, let's move on to, to your original uh, professional cr credential as a psychologist and psychotherapist. What are some of the emotional challenges that people are facing through this pandemic? There are so many changes that people have never faced before, especially in our in country, the USA. You know, our routines are changed we have a fear, you know, that is this virus could affect us or our loved ones in a way that is life-threatening. 
you know, many people's jobs are disrupted and those who are still working are often in unsafe situations where they might feel fear of being exposed to the virus. So there is just such a huge amount of change. And so we're experiencing normal anxiety that would come with these kinds of threats and changes and also existential fears, the fear of death, you know, and facing this uncertainty we have as human beings. And then there can also be just, if we, if we already had a tendency towards anxiety, um, that can be really heightened right now to, um, you know, fear or panic that might be really heightened. Well, for me, one of the things I find is just, it's so tiring mm-hmm. for, for me, even, uh, when on on my phases, when I'm not going out for an hour, <laughs> like uh-huh. Janie Goddard was suggesting, even when I'm just taking the dog out to do what dogs need to do outside, I feel like I have to psych up and suit up. And then when I come back in, go through this, this rather elaborate routine of cleaning everything and, and getting the clothes off and, and washing the dog's feet and and the the leash and the keys and i've never been somebody who's been very concerned about any of that kind of thing in fact i've probably been less concerned about germs and all that than probably average and i feel like i'm almost playing a role where i i'm in a play and i am playing this person that feels that everything has to be cleaned and disinfected it's Mm -hmm. very odd and it makes me tired. It feels like I should have all this time because I'm at home. But it seems like, you know, there's an extra 30 minutes added on to every dog walk. How do people cope with that kind of thing? Yeah, that is, it's a huge change. And, and you living in the city where there's more people around and there's higher numbers with the disease probably heightens the fears even more too. Um, you know, one I think is, Going outside is really important, you know, for our emotional well-being. They they definitely find in research that nature, you know, helps us our um, emotional well-being, our physical well-being. So, it, you know, remembering the importance that we do need fresh air in nature. So, if you're at all able to get that, that is important. Um, the steps you have to take sound like the price you have to pay right now to be able to enjoy that. Um, that nature. And and obviously it's heightened too. If you have a family member whose immune system may be compromised, you feel even more need to follow those steps carefully. Yes. And and I do. And my listeners know that. And I didn't give you an update on my husband's progress last week. So I'll do that now. For those of you who don't know, my husband fell onto the New York City subway tracks uh, February 19th. And he was pretty severely injured uh, in several different ways. And of course, now he's recovering without physical therapy and without the home nursing aids and all the things he was supposed to have had. But remarkably, and I think because, uh, at least partly, of, of the power of the fresh food and the celery juice and all these other things, he's really doing remarkably well. So thanks to everybody who sent good wishes, to everybody who sent cards, whoever sent the wonderful gift of salad dressings, balsamic vinegar, and hot sauce, it came without a name on it. I don't know who you are, but we are both enjoying those every day. So (laughs) thank you very, very much. So um, Angela, the social distancing and the shelter in place, 
those are very unique experiences for just about everybody. What are the psychological impacts specifically of, of these things? Well, research shows over and over again that loneliness and social isolation have a detrimental impact on our emotional health and our physical health, you know, and our longevity. So we're by nature social creatures. We do need social connections. And it's interesting as a psychologist, I mean, I've always been urging people to have more social contact and usually urging it to be in person um, rather than solely re relying on things like the internet and social media. But now during this time, I'm having to go in a different direction and encourage people to have social contact however they can, um, you know, and taking advantage of things like Zoom um, because it it is really hard on us to be isolated. So if people live alone and don't have family with them, finding ways to connect with their loved ones. Um, people are using new platforms now to stay connected via video. And so really encouraging that. Yes, and, and it helps. It helps in so many ways. I mean, who knew how many exercise classes you could get on a phone? So uh, we're learning a lot. So help, help us, Angela, with some specific techniques for managing anxiety and fear. And it's interesting. I know people have fears of different things. I've taught public speaking, and I know that's something that people can be anxious about. But that's a very specific thing. These are the steps to take to overcome the fear of that. But I believe you use the term existential fear. With this thing, I think we're afraid of things we don't even know what we're afraid of. So do you have mm -hmm. some, some processes that we can use? Yeah. Um, you know, first, it might be helpful to explore what your fears are and write them down because there are different types of anxiety. Um, one book that's really helpful for separating out different types of anxiety is um, a book called Finding Serenity in the Age of Anxiety. And it was actually wrote, written quite a few years ago, but it's still very relevant. By, it's still um, the age of anxiety. <laughs> yes, yes, by Robert Gerzon. Um, and he separates out natural anxiety, which we face when we're in a real life threat that we need to address. Um sacred anxiety, which is the existential anxiety, the vulnerability of being human and facing our mortality. And then there's what he refers to as toxic anxiety that is more like when we're ruminating or um, having fears of the future that may or may not happen. And so separating out, you know, what type of fears we're having, because there might be some fears we really need to take action on, you know, and honor. If our finances are threatened right now, there might be things we need to do to to help with that. Um, and what you mentioned about, you know, when you go out, how you protect yourself, that's a real action that you need to take. So one thing that helps anxiety is taking action on the things that we do have control over. Um, but the other things that maybe we don't have control over, having ways to calm our nervous system. Um, you know, often our fight or flight response will kick in when we're feeling anxious. But for this type of situation, it's not a helpful response most of the time because it's just um, kicking off adrenaline and cortisol and there's no outlet for it. So having tools to calm us down. Um, so also the other thing, when your fight or flight system is kicked in, the immune system isn't working optimally at that time. 
So you really want to have tools to kind of calm your nervous system down. Um, I think your previous guest was mentioning the relaxation response and different types of meditation. And that is so important, you know, mindfulness, staying grounded in the present um, and asking even, you know, if you're getting anxious and there's nothing you can do right now, like what is true right now, you know, and in this moment, in this actual moment, I am okay. Sometimes just calming self messages. Um, I do also encourage people to bring self-compassion. Um, there's going to be feelings that we have that are difficult during this time. We haven't faced most of the most of us haven't faced this before. So just bringing a lot of self-compassion and you know still doing what you need to do, but holding your feelings with compassion as you would for a friend. You know, just kind of bringing kind self-talk that it's okay to have these feelings and I can still move forward and do what I need to do even though I'm having these difficult feelings. That's so beautiful. And these were some of the things that you wrote to me. May I have your permission to take things that you put in the personal email to me sure. and post it on our show notes? Because you give references in there, and I think that'll be very helpful to people. And I love what you said about giving ourselves the compassion to feel that it's okay to be afraid. I've once in my life been close to death. And interestingly enough, it was a flu. <laughs> this yeah. was back in the 1990s. Uh, I was in Paris and I got sicker than I have ever been in this life. And I remember at that time, even though I, I was I was devastated by the idea that if I didn't pull through that, I, I would be leaving my daughter who was, I think, uh, 12 years old, maybe. I was a single mom. And so that was obviously something very real. And yet the idea that I would die, I had kind of a peace with. And I think maybe we all do when we're really thinking about our own personal, individual, inevitable death. But in these big, <laughs> you know, just the word pandemic, like uh -huh. it's, you know, the, the entire planet. And, and I've always thought that, that the least uh, desirable way to leave this earth would be in, in some giant, impersonal rush. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes. Like there's less control and it's more frightening to think of it happening that way. Yeah. Yeah. So if anybody out there besides me uh, <laughs> goes through the occasional moment of, oh, my gosh, this is this is really scary. You know what? It is really scary. And we put the next foot in front of the other anyway. We find the beauty in this moment and the power to make this a beautiful day and even an enchanted April. So so where do you go? I mean, I, I asked Janie Goddard what she does with her health practices through the day. And, and what do you do as a mental health professional to keep yourself on top of things? One thing I've noticed through this um, is that there are definitely positive changes that can come with this type of situation where we do feel so much has been, you know, changed or challenged, um, we can sometimes reevaluate our priorities and really think about what really matters to us. So for me personally, 
having a sense of purpose. I'm really blessed that I have work that feels very purposeful and that I'm able to work during this time. And so I found that for my clients too, the ones that are feeling a sense of purpose, that they're able to contribute in some way to loved ones or that they're still able to work or do things that they feel is making a difference, that helps to get through. Gratitude, um, there's so many things we've taken for granted and this is a time where many of us can really realize how blessed we are. So focusing on the things that really matter and that we are really grateful for. Um, the existential fears that we have, I think spirituality is, you know, one answer to that, you know, our, our faith, whatever that might be, meditation, prayer. Um, so I draw on those things to help me through um, having a daily like meditation and kind of prayer and also journaling. Um, those things help me. Yeah, that's those are beautiful. I use every one of those. Something that I am finding really helpful is watching old movies. I haven't yet watched Enchanted April, but that'll be on the list. And even documentaries about historical people, because it tells me that they had all kinds of challenges. Oh my goodness, you talked about financial challenges so many people are, are facing now. I just watched um, biography of Thomas Jefferson. He died in so much debt that if his creditors hadn't felt sorry for him, they would have evicted him from Monticello. Oh, <laughs> I mean, wow. you know, the, these people that have monuments erected to them, and I understand there are other problems with Thomas Jefferson, and, you know, that's, I, I recognize that. But, but just this thing about the man couldn't hold on to his money, and yet he wrote the Declaration of Independence. So, mm -hmm. so to get a sense of what life really is. And I think we get that more when a life has been completed and we get to look at it as a whole. And the old movies just kind of remind me like, yeah, they were doing life then and we're doing life now. Mm. <laughs> so it helps. It's sweet. So in the few minutes that, that we have left, Dr. Angela Crawford, talk to us about psychology and veganism. Are vegans more or less well-adjusted? Well, I'm not sure I 100% know the answer to that, but I do know from what I've been studying so far that there are some connections between vegan lifestyle and emotional well-being. You know, one is a diet connection, you know, that what we eat has a positive effect on our mental state that fruits and vegetables lead to more positive mental states in some studies um, where if you're eating more fruits and vegetables, it seems to be associated with more happiness and enjoyment and other positive mental states. Whereas um, eating a lot of processed foods or meat or dairy can be associated with more inflammation, which is also associated with more depression. Um, but I also have found personally like going vegetarian and then vegan that it's brought me a greater sense of purpose and a sense of freedom. Like I'm living in a way that really feels aligned with my values. Um, and I've heard that from other people. I would really love to study it more. And that is something where I do have a kind of a vision or a dream of writing a book and actually interviewing vegans about that to really learn more about how they do emotionally and kind of psychologically with this lifestyle. 
Well, I would love to read it. I would love to be interviewed for it. So that's uh, awesome. That's great. <laughs> so you probably have a line of volunteers, and I just stepped into the line. Great. So at, at, as you look at at being vegan in the world as it is, sometimes it seems that when terrible things are happening that involve much of the population, some of these issues that are considered um, niche issues seem to be pushed aside. So how do those of us who are very dedicated to the vegan lifestyle and promoting the vegan lifestyle stay connected with that and not lose it during this period when we're all focusing on this pandemic? Yeah, I think, you know, for me personally, there's still so many ways that that lifestyle is helping through this. You know, one is, you know, as many of your guests have shared, the plant-based diet being helpful for boosting our immune system. So, you know, we can be focusing on it from that front. Um, I know you also had another guest that shared about, you know, how certain forms of animal agriculture play a role in possible role, at least in these types of um, epidemics and pandemics that that occur. So there's definitely reason in the midst of this for us to at least personally stay connected and to share with people to whatever degree they're receptive during this time to support others. Yes. Yeah. I think sometimes it's almost like um, a Swiss army knife. It's like, oh, wait a minute. It doesn't really do all that stuff. But we already knew that that veganism was obviously going to vastly improve the lot of, of animals, that it was going to improve our health, that it was going to provide more food for the hungry around the world, that it was going to stem climate change almost to the point that people are like, all right, already, maybe it's good. you know. And now we're saying, look. But when you do look, you look at, at virtually every kind of virus of, of known history back as far as measles came from human-animal interactions that, that shouldn't have been. So, and I think that the guest you were referring to um, was talking about the live markets. And we have them in New York City. They have them in Chicago. I know Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine has a petition going to get the live markets shut down because this particular COVID-19 epidemic is traced back to a live market in, in Wuhan, China. The next one could be traced to a live market in, in Brooklyn. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah. So we have a lot of answers and probably more questions. And thank you, Dr. Angela Crawford, yeah. for answering some of our questions today. Oh, I appreciate you. your time. And thanks also to Janie Goddard. Thanks to Unity Online Radio. Do check out their other programming if you're looking for some spiritual uplift. This is not going to be religion, religion. This, this is really spiritual uplift for anybody of any spiritual persuasion. Because, you know, in the end, we are way more alike than different. God bless everybody. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
We spend a third of our lives sleeping and dreaming, yet most of us have no idea what goes on during that time. I'm Kelly Sullivan Walden, and as a dream expert and best-selling author, I'm here to empower you to mine the gold from your nighttime dreams. Join me on the Kelly Sullivan Walden Show, part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network, available wherever you get your podcasts. Until we meet again, don't take your dreams lying down.